If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Hello, I am Randy Andrews, and today Tim Benson and I will talk about the movie Whiteout as well as the comic by Greg Rucka. We'll discuss the differences in story, art direction, and music effectively involved in the film and the after effects of the graphic novel, today on Soundtrack Alley. Tim, it's nice to have you on the show again. Of course. Uh, what do you say we get into this interesting film? Yeah. Um, so, uh, Randy suggested we review Whiteout. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and no, I. So, like Ghost in the Shell. Has Ghost in the Shell come out already? I'm lost in the timeline. Yes. Um, yes, it has. Whiteout, obviously, based on the Greg Rucka comic. Um, Greg Rucka and Steve Lieber. Yeah. Published by Oni Press. Um, so I, I definitely wanted to read the books. Uh, and they're, I mean, they're pretty short reads. So that was, that was easy. Yeah, they are surprisingly uh, short, but they're actually really, really good. Oh, yeah. They're fantastic. Uh, but yeah, so the movie based on that, um, you know, pretty, uh, not loosely, but I mean, it's, it's pretty consistent. With, I mean, not, you know, the events themselves don't necessarily follow, uh, but the the gist of it, um, you know, you can do anything you want in a comic, in a movie, you have to give a bit, if there's a realistic aspect to a movie, um, but I thought they, they held pretty close to the, from the movie to the comics, or the other way around, Yeah. and yeah, it was okay. Yeah, and you know, I found I found the movie to be like, you know, pretty close to the first volume of the book. You know? Yeah. Yeah, the the actual events themselves um pretty close to the first book, especially, you know, the tie-out line and stuff, the the actual plot of the book um was was pretty close. I really liked the second book though. Yes. Um, I, I liked the second book quite a bit more than the first, and I thought the movie kind of took on some of the tone of that second book. Mm-hmm. But 
but the events themselves definitely first book so. oh yeah yeah definitely one thing i noticed with the books i found it really compelling actually to see that it was done in black and white yeah you know you know even though the movie's called whiteout sometimes they had it under the code name snowbound which didn't make a ton of sense because there isn't a super amount of snowstorms in Antarctica. So there were there were a couple of big ones in this though. I mean, well, I guess there's there's one. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. One big snowstorm coming, mm-hmm. and and it's uh, kind of the catalyst for the whole thing, like timeline and everything. But I. I'm going to go to a show in a couple weeks and Greg Rucka is one of the attendees. And oh, I think nice. I'm going to, I'm going to go ask him where the third book is. Oh, there's a think, third book. No, no. That's why I'm going to ask him where it is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they had announced a third book and it just never saw publication. As far as I, I know, um, uh, changed names a couple times and, so Interesting. We'll, see, we'll see what he says. He probably won't say anything. But Well, if he does, see if you can get your hands on it. Oh, I know. Well, he's <laughs> probably going to write it first. You know? <laughs> well, maybe he's already wrote it. Yeah. That know, would, we'll see. That would be um, good. But, yeah, um, Oni Press did the first, the, the whiteout books, and they do a lot of black and white publications, or at least they, they started with a lot of black and white. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, I had no idea it was going to be black and white, but once I saw it, it was not a big deal. Um, especially with, you're talking ice, you know? Yeah. Um, so they could have spent a ton of money coloring the book, and most of it would have been white. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, they, uh, they actually saved themselves some money by putting it in black and white and yeah. uh, made it more effective, actually. Oh, yeah. Um I mean, credit to Steve Lieber, though. I mean, how hard it is to to almost draw reverse. You know, like, oh, yeah. instead of drawing um, something like debris flying around, you had to not draw characters where the debris is, the debris being snow in this case. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, definitely a challenge to, to pull something like that off. So, yeah. And I found that with uh meltdown i think that's the uh second book right uh melt melt it's just yeah. called melt I think uh, it's just, yeah, just melt but i i found that book i found that book to be really compelling next to the first book that you know it's kind of a murder mystery kind of a heist type yeah. situation and yeah, i think the the first one the catalyst, or the you know, I said this earlier. The catalyst is the the coming storm. Uh, everything's got to be done right away. It's got to be done in three days. Um, and I I think that actually kind of detracted from it. Whereas the second book, they had to they had to solve you know another mystery, um, or or they were gonna die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? And so it was a more uh, compelling reason to to move the story forward but i mean i I, they both have their place and i i mean it makes sense why the movie chose the first book because that's i mean that's kind of a movie technique yeah uh, coming storm yep yep it's it's kind of a you know a good it's a good plot device to make things move along yeah 
So that was, you know, it. The movie wasn't bad, and Kate Beckinsale, she did, she did an effective job uh, with playing Carrie uh, Stetko of the of the novel or of yeah. the book. And I mean, I did notice definitely there's big differences between the book and the movie. Um, one of those major differences was her so-called international partner in the book. It's a woman. Yeah. And and she has a relationship with the woman in the book. In the movie, it's a guy. Oh, of course. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, they changed things like that. They even changed the, spoiler alert, the fingers that, gets, that get cut off in... Uh, the book between the movie in the movie it's the last two fingers and in the book it's the first two fingers yeah so and it actually makes it more effective in the book to have those first two fingers cut off because it makes it more difficult to move to do things with those last two fingers yeah i mean it it makes sense the for the movie it's cost like which two fingers can we remove using makeup and stuff and still have you, like, function? Yeah. Uh, versus, the you know, if we take the, the two from the the book, um, you're kind of ruined for the rest of the movie. Yeah. So I, I can do a lot with the, the first three, you know, thumb and first two fingers, but I can't do much with the last two fingers. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, yeah, so... I, I don't know. The movie was, it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh it yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't my favorite. Um, maybe I should have watched the movie and then read the books. Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, but I just found the movie kind of. Well, I mean, essentially, it wasn't that it was predictable because obviously I, I read the book, so I yeah, know yeah. what's gonna happen. But it was it was predictable in the way that all kind of action flicks are like you know the main character kate beckinsale's character carrie is is not gonna die mm-hmm. you know um you know she's gonna solve the murder yeah you know, like like there's just these things you know are gonna happen and it, it's just not a it's a it's a popcorn flick yeah you know yep. like i should have seen it in the theaters in the summer or i guess yeah probably in the summer when it came out and it would have been a fun action movie um and it was september so uh-huh oh uh, yeah but sitting at home watching it um it was okay yeah i <laughs> i would definitely agree um one of the things i noticed about the film though is that when it was the action scenes like when you first see like one of the villains be all bundled up in black and have that um ice pick hatchet yeah, yeah. Um, that was actually really frenetic action. You know, it's like she has a real sense of urgency to get away from him. And it was almost like bordering on a horror film because you don't know who that is. Yeah. And no that, one. That was, that was probably a highlight for me of the movie. One of the maybe three highlights is that first chase scene where he's coming at her with the, the ice axe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that's that's a big, really compelling scene because it's like, whoa, <laughs> you're, 
you're trying to figure out what's going on and the fact that it's moving so fast, you're like, okay, what just happened? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a big difference between the books where, you know, you see a reveal with the book, but it's it's more steady paced. Yeah. Well, in the book, you, I mean, you start to realize who it, who it is. And you start to realize why they did it. They, I mean, they start to reveal that kind of stuff, but you don't start. You don't feel the cover up. Yeah. That you do in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know who did it in the movie, and or at least you know the person who matters. You know the doctor is involved way too early in the in the movie, and then it's just trying to cover it up. And I, I didn't like that feel, um, that yeah. cover up feel. I thought the the comic was a better pace where you were you were discovering things with her, mm-hmm. and you knew you knew more than she did. The movie was you know everything except for this one thing. You know you don't know the one guy in the mask, um, yeah. but you know everything else, and everyone's trying to cover it up, and you know, and you're just waiting for that. Oh, is she gonna catch him this time? You know, and I, that wasn't. That wasn't as good, but... Yeah, and, you know, the the movie version of Whiteout, it actually sat in production for a while. I mean, they were trying to acquire the rights to actually show the film with screenplay by John and Eric Hober, and there were so many differences of turning around for the lack of production, rights being acquired, even having... They had first wanted to cast Reese Witherspoon as the lead role. Ultimately, the rights over the film changed ownership, and then it detached Reese Witherspoon from the project, and it changed it to Dark Castle Entertainment. And so Dominic Cena, who was a fan of the graphic novel, had sought to acquire the rights to film the you know do the film yeah and so they had petitioned joel silver and to direct it so then it changed hands again to warner brothers i thought it was interesting production began on march 5th 2007 the film was primarily set in a bright world of ice and sunlight and an unconventional approach to the murder mystery genre and so both real and fake snow were used in the production. So the author, which was Greg Rucka, he yeah. applauded the film adaption of his source material, but upon seeing the finished film, he felt differently, saying that comic carry and one-act play carry would shake movie carry down because the bleachers uh and they would laugh her out of the you share our name club and send her limping and mewling home to mother and they wouldn't feel a moment's regret about doing it either <laughs> which is really funny because you know greg rucka he wrote the book and yeah. it's like you butchered my character <laughs> i wonder i wonder how many people though like you write a character and then somebody else makes it into a movie. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if nobody liked seeing their character on film, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't say much because you got paid 
really well. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know, Greg Rucka's not a guy to hold his tongue, so. That's true. That's true. And, I mean, he's done plenty of other good works, like Velvet. Oh, yeah, I mean, he's a fantastic writer. I yeah. mean, there's no, no question there. Yeah, and, I mean, he's done so many other things other than Whiteout. So yeah. there's there's not any bad discussion about whether he had a good uh, point as to make for whether the comic carry versus the movie carry. So... Uh, yeah, but yeah. you know, Kate Bacon Beckinsale, she did, she did a admirable job for playing the character and made it, you know, made it worth watching. Now, what did you think about the score with uh, John Frizzle? Yeah, there were a couple, um, a couple of cues that I thought were really good, and then I thought there were a couple <clears throat> cues that you could have plucked them from any suspense film ever made. You know, and, and substituted without noticing. True. Um, the the final, like, airplane, you know, like, fight around the airplane at the very end. Yeah. I thought that one, I, I liked that one. It had a lot of energy. And I think it was um, cued and edited well yeah. to fit within the film. Um, some of the others, I thought, maybe weren't cut as well. So they, they kind of came in late or came in early or just were kind of bland throughout the whole scene. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene with the, you, you said the frenetic energy, the guy coming out of the ice pick, yeah. the music during that, that portion was really good. Um, that frenetic energy, I think a lot of it was the uh, music and the, the film, it cuts a lot. I mean, it cuts camera shots over and over and over during that whole scene. And the music cuts pretty per- like perfectly with it yeah uh, those, are, those are the two that really stand out um and then i guess a third would be um they're flying um and they're, they're talking about the ice um yeah. nothing nothing like amazing about it i just thought there was uh, there's a piece of music that i really liked but. oh yeah and you know i i found it really interesting that with john frizzle he really took a chance on scoring this film uh he used orchestration that never had been attempted before uh using an electronic cello uh for the isolated feeling of being in the Ant- antarctic uh along with the cold and frozen environment that we find ourselves in this choice of film and then surprisingly, with as we've been talking about, there's a fair share of action music. And some of the cues are just overall exciting. And then John Frizzle, he knows how to dial it down when it's yeah. needed. And so unlike much of the Hollywood productions, it isn't overly busy. <clears throat> and there isn't like a corruption of too many instruments all in one action cue. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he kept it simple for those. Yeah, and, uh, you know, a lot of... I mean, I probably brought this up multiple times, but it seems like a lot of big action films or even films that have elements of action in them, it seems the action cues are so filled with so many instruments that you're trying to 
lock down, say, a certain instrument and say, well, I like this instrument of <laughs> how it's used. But you don't notice it when it's so so many instruments. And I think John Frizzle did a good job with using simple cues, or not necessarily cues, but instruments, to give you the feeling of that that cold environment. Yeah. So I mean, that's the <clears throat> everybody involved in the movie had to think about the ice a lot, and like he did well keeping it simple. Um, certain couple of couple key instruments can really do well for that that setting. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I've got a few cues I'd like to to play for us today. Um, I've got. Uh, the first being base camp, Carrie's theme, and how not to die. Now, what what do you think of these cues, Tim? Um, you know, they they kind of set the tone for you know isolation on the ice, and the they they're kind of background noise for the not noise background you know for the recollection of Carrie and why she's there. So mm-hmm. I mean, they're kind of mood setting pieces. Yeah, and they're not not bad. Um, it doesn't give us the initial action for the yeah. film, which is all right um, because you want to set it up. Now let's let's play those three cues.
Next, I'd like us to hear some of the frenetic action for the action cues for the film. The initial action of the, you know, the masked person in all black and with the ice pit killer. Yeah. You know, against Carrie, um, the discovery of something hidden and then even the next death that occurs. I, I feel that John Frizzle uses these cues immensely well and it's orchestrated in like a deep mystery for the film. So the cues I want to play is Vostak Attack, Camp Delta, Discovery, and Carrie's Suspicion. So what do you think of how these cues fit into the story? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, this is, like, so that high energy, um, <clears throat> the first piece of action, high energy music we get. Um, and then is Camp Delta the arrival music of her when she's arriving at the second camp yeah um so that's that's one that stuck out for me um just as the just her journey you know and you start to feel you you start to feel for her and start to understand how easy it would be for her to back out and that music i think does really well for that oh yeah i would definitely agree so now let's play those cues
Next and finally, we come to the conclusion of another episode. The last cues that I have brings us to the climax of the film, knowing how deep the plot goes and how exactly or what exactly happened through the presentation of the clues and even the resolution. What do you think of the end of the film compared to the comic? Um, obviously, it's a movie. Uh, it's got to go big. You know, the a comic can really pay off with words. Um, you know, you can show some some really high emotional moments. Um, you know, you start to deal with the doctor and all that stuff. So it's it's not probably not fair to judge the two against each other. Um, but I mean, the movie has to have that big action payoff. The the fight scene uh, that the book didn't have to do. Uh, I yeah. mean, there's definitely the the violence or the action in the book, but it's the climax of it isn't isn't the same um but i liked the the fight at the end of the movie the airplane scene or i call the airplane scene just because it's all around it but it it's kind of an over-the-top take on it but oh yeah yeah i would definitely agree but um you know it just gives us a big frenetic action that yeah. actually leads to the ending of uh what happens and the ending cues that I'd like to play is uh, the whiteout, the clues, I'd like to see it, resolution, and whiteout main on ends. And resolution and whiteout main on ends is all one cue. So uh, we we see the resolution, we see the results of what happens. Any lasting thoughts on those cues? No, I think... Um... I think they're they're good pieces and they they fit well with those those end end moments. So yeah, so uh, the next time we get together, we'll be you know we've got a few movies that are coming up that we're going to be talking about in full detail. Um, we're going to be discussing Guardians of the Galaxy, the original, um, as of the release of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 um, coming out fairly soon in May. So um, we're looking forward to that. And then we've got our um, introduction for um, several different things. So we've got lots of films that are coming up, and we can really look forward to those. So we'll be, you know, we can talk about that and get those dates scheduled down. Um, But I want to thank you again for being on the show. It's always enjoyable to have you on the show. And you can find my show on iTunes, soundtrackalley.podbean.com. You can email me at soundtrackalley at yahoo.com. I set that up specifically for people who want to comment. And then if you have any further thoughts on the film or have a comment or a question, please let me know. And so now we can play these last cues. So enjoy and happy listening.
Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley, the podcast. I hope you take some time to review my podcast on iTunes and also listen to it on Podbean. And if you leave a review or rating on there, it'll help us get noticed on iTunes. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley Spotlight. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Also, if you want to leave a comment, question, or concern, please email me at soundtrackalley at gmail.com and enjoy looking at my blog at soundtrackalley.com.